Welcome to the Proceedings Podcast, day two of our special report from West 2019. I'm here with, uh, or I'm Ward Carroll, the Director of Outreach and Marketing at the Naval Institute. I'm here with my co-host for the week, Bill Hamlet, the Editor-in-Chief of Proceedings Magazine, and my partner in the outreach effort, retired Fleet Master Chief Paul Kingsbury. Hello, boys. Ward. How are you guys after day two? Happy Thursday. Happy uh, Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah, happy Valentine's yeah, Day. Yes. I wore my pink tie. Oh, look at you. Yes. Yeah. Did you guys remember to do something special for your significant others back on the Be- East Coast? Before I left. Yeah, yes. Me too. Yeah. I was a hero this morning. That's right. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So uh, day two, another good day uh, here at West uh, in the books here. We're uh, cruising down, although we have one more cool event this evening, The uh, actually the signature social event for the week at the Ultimate Skybox overlooking Padre Stadium, our uh, member party, which is always a good time. Hopefully, has anybody looked outside? Has the rain ceased? I have not been outside. No, nope, not, not since 7 this morning. Yeah. <laughs> so I can tell you at 7 this morning it was definitely raining. Yeah, we were. Um, I was close to swimming across yeah, this, the street yeah. from the Hilton this morning. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, because it's going to be crowded at this thing if, it, uh, if it's raining. Um, so anyway... Um, so the morning started off with uh, uh, Undersecretary Schaefer gave the morning keynote. Um, what were some of the takeaways from uh, from his presentation? Yeah, so that was the Honorable Alan Schaefer, the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition and Sustainment, and uh, he essentially, you know, it, it continued. I think that the uh, themes that um, Undersecretary of the Navy Modley uh, talked about, you know, yesterday of uh, everything that's got to be. Business practices that ensure the process to get lethality in the hands of operators as soon as possible at the best possible price for the taxpayer. Uh, you know, I would say that was sort of the theme for today. Both um, uh, Under Secretary Schaefer and then the lunch speaker was uh, the Honorable James Gertz or Hondo Gertz, the Assistant Secretary of the Navy for Research, Development, and Acquisition. So they both talked about. Um, what they are doing in the, in their portfolios in the Pentagon to acquire the best capability as fast as possible, speed up the acquisition process, uh, and ensure not only the acquisition but also the sustainment of those systems and capabilities. So, yeah, that, that came through loud and clear. That and 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 both of them talked about the threat. They both talked about what the Chinese are doing, what the Russians are doing, and and how that is driving and focusing efforts across DOD and especially across the Department of the Navy to get the right capabilities as quickly as possible, as many as possible, and sustain them so that they are capable on day one and they're also capable, you know, 10 years, 20 years down the road that the ships and aircraft are maintained so that we maintain that that lethality. So I moderated a panel uh, after that. Um, I didn't moderate the panel. I introduced the moderator of a panel after that, which was uh, basically about LCS um, and its air capability. Um, specifically, the thing that's sexy about that is the use of Fire Scout. Um, so it was a really cool combination of industry leadership and requirements. Um, and so uh, the industry was a straw, or am I pronouncing that right? Um, who make Austell? Austell, who, yep. who make uh, the uh, Independence it, class? 
um, the trimaran version of, uh, and so uh, the 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 rep from from Austral um, gave sort of a primer on how the uh, how they the factory is organized, the shipyard is organized there in Mobile, um, and how they launch them. And something that's kind of a fun fact is they don't do that really cool dynamic. You know, here it goes, and it splashes, and they they kind of gently lift it out of the the hangar and just take it down river on a barge and just set it into the the water. You know, in the bay, in Mobile Bay there. Um, but just like the JCS F thirty five panel that I moderated here back in twenty thirteen, um, you know, LCS is such a, a supercharged term, right? I mean, it just evokes all kinds of of responses and you know when you say LCS you're going to get all kinds of reactions but this is the beauty of West is these panels these breakout sessions really allow you to get granular and talk warfighter to warfighter with industry component and so you get out of the hysteria into what is the capability you know no lie what is it this thing's going to bring us and so this this panel um, the Commodore uh, had had other experience with LCS he's never commanded LCS uh, well, he has, but and, and he, he sort of was, was slotted in, um, sort of out of nowhere a couple of times, uh, you know, in the, in the early history of LCS. Um, but he was very matter of fact what they're going to do capability wise. He's bullish on it. Um, and then the requirements side um, was uh, also uh, very optimistic about what this is going to yield. So basically, what happens is, and this is what the the contractor said uh, is um, you got a capability and it has um, sort of agility baked into it uh, for in perpetuity you know um, big flight deck it's modular never mind whether the original mission packages are going to work or not Um, but it's almost beyond that now that original so, you know, you built it with an RFP and KPPs and requirements, and let's just use a polite word and say it's iterated sometimes because of cost and schedule. Um, I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. Um, and then we're talking about the 17-month deployment of Coronado, leaving out the fact that a year of that was on the welded to a pier in Singapore, right, with a, with a material failure. Um, but what you're left with um, is a capability that looks like it's going to meld nicely with distributed lethality and some other things that, that are what we want to do, you know, against the peer threat and all kinds of stuff. So I really enjoyed that that panel. I thought it was exactly why West is awesome in terms of the, uh, the, the information you hear from the fleet. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, you know, there's not a lot of proceedings material that could be just defined as clickbait. But whenever we publish an article about LCS, that's definitely clickbait because people have very strong opinions uh, in both directions. Uh, but today, as you as you mentioned, there was some granularity to the conversation, and there was sort of this sense of okay, we we you know Congress has bought the Navy has bought this capability, has bought these ships, we're building them. They do have some. Un- some interesting, unique capabilities. We're buying more capabilities for them. There was a little discussion. I asked a question about the LCS mission packages. Uh, and so the Commodore of LCS, Ron One, uh, mentioned that this summer, the Montgomery and the Gabby Giffords, those two ships are going to deploy uh, out into the South China Sea, Westpac, 
they're both going to have uh, H-60 and um, a fire scout on board. Uh, and those, those ships will go out on deployment. They're going to learn. They're going to build on what Coronado learned a couple of years ago. And they're going to start developing tactics. Uh, and, and it was really, you know, the, the, the rep from Austell showed just how big that helicopter flight deck on the Independence-class uh, ships are, right? Those are really... Four spots. It's those a four-spot flight deck. It's a four-spot flight deck, much bigger than the old OHP-class frigates, much right. bigger than a DDG, much bigger even than a cruiser. Uh, so the capability for the aviation capability to launch two helicopters at the same time, blades turning, that was kind of neat. Um, but, you know, th- there's there's still a lot to be learned, right? It's a little bit like when, you know, the, the Hornet was fielded in the Navy and there were, there were a lot of people said, well, geez, it doesn't have much gas. Right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. That's a limitation, you know, back in the 80s uh, Hornet. Yeah. But then, okay, what can it do? Right. And, and, and there was a lot of experimentation that went on and there were, you know, weapons that were bought. And then it was like, okay, well, we can do some really neat things with this. It becomes a new normal. It, right? it does. At least you do right. one plus 45 cycles. Yeah. Hornet couldn't do a one plus 45 cycles. So one plus 30 cycles. Right. Um, so, you know, just kind of get over it. Yep. Gramps. And let's press on with, uh, with some capability here. Um, so, uh, and they were talking about one and two. I'm not sure whether, Freedom is one. Is I guess freedom's one, and India is two. Right, right. Um, and so the commander was using that term uh, one and two. So yeah, and two was, is aluminum. Well, they they both are. So that's what I was going to ask. Are yeah, they both. Yeah, they're but, both aluminum. Yeah, right? but the um, uh, the LCS Ron one here in San Diego has the two variant. Right, it has the Independence variant primarily, and the LCS Ron two that's going to be in Mayport. Uh, is going to have the the freedom variant, right? So, the, there's going to be an east-west split in the, between the the types of uh, of, uh, of ships, um, which was also kind of new to me, new information to me. I think there's more details that came out in this briefing today. The right. conversation. Well, right? I, that's a question that I ask. Is yeah. okay. So, as we talk about interoper- interoperability and and flights of two, do they have to be the same? You know, subset of the class. I think the answer was no. What he I, I, said, right. and I, I'm not quite sure whether I can just take that comprehensive as an answer because this, you, you think about a trimaran just in terms of, of sea performance and a monohull, right? The flight deck on the Indy class is bigger. That's yeah. a, it's a bigger flight deck, right? Um, and, Higher and, off the water. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's because the trimaran, it's likely to be more a more stable deck. Mm-hmm. Um but it, it doesn't sound because they've sort of separated them into the two squadrons, east and west coast, with one one flavor on the east coast, one flavor on the west coast. It doesn't sound like they're they're planning to deploy, uh, uh, you know, seventeen and eighteen, nineteen and twenty together, right? It'll be seventeen and nineteen, twenty and twenty-two, right? right. It'll be it'll be the pairs like that. So Gabby Giffords and man and uh, sorry, um, what was the other the other ship? Um, the, the two from LCS from Montgomery, Montgomery, right? Yeah. That will deploy this summer. They're both Independence class, right? Okay. Yeah. So the bottom line is: is there's some exciting capabilities. If if you can get beyond your cynicism in these cases, you might just allow that the the things are looking great in terms of a capability. Yeah, and there now there's still a numbers game. We've talked about this on the show before, right? Vis-a-vis China, who has 800 of where we have 80, right? We've talked about this. 
not quite that many, but the the Hobey class. class. The Hobey, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and they've got 80 of them, you know. And Uh, we're making ours fast, right? I mean, there was a whole bunch that are coming down the pike. Again, the the Austral guy was talking about how many they're making. Yeah. I mean, they're coming out. Yeah. So Congress just... Even beyond what the fleet realizes. Right. Congress just funded 36 and 38, which are both independence class. Uh, and I think on the freedom class side, I think they've they've funded up through the the mid 30s. So you know, like them or not, whether they were what they needed to be when they were first launched, the first units a couple of years ago, we're going to have about 40 of these ships, and they're backfitting them with mission modules. The surface warfare module is ready. Uh, so the Commodore talked about that. The two ships, Montgomery and and Giffords will go out this summer with the, the uh, surface surface warfare module on board, uh, and then what's coming over the in the next probably year or so is uh, the the naval strike missile NSM, which is the Kongsberg Raytheon missile, which is really an impressive weapon system. And, right? and when you think about the targeting capability with a fire scout or an H sixty over the horizon, this is a capability, and and uh, so. It, you know, I, you say like it or not. What I'm saying is, get up to speed with news, and then decide what you, how you feel about it. Right? That's right. what I'm saying. So then we say we we rolled from that right into lunch, and we had another uh, uh, ESP uh, group, the, another uh, really yep. awesome bunch. Three main commands. Who who yep. are they? Naval Hospital, well, basically uh, Navy Re- Medicine Southwest, um, and then the region, and then what was formerly known as. Spay War, right? That command. Um, about probably a smaller group today, right? But equally as talented. Had a chance to talk to them ahead of time. Um, had them over at the USNI booth, introducing them to that piece. Um, did you sign the new chief's guide for I them? I did. Of course. Right. Several of them chiefs, you know, kind of getting them out there. They came in. Uh, had one chief, bought one thinking ahead, right? This was kind of cool, right? He knows he's going to be a sponsor for a new chief select, so he bought one. Oh, there so you go. So I signed my first CPO guy to... A chief select. Nice. Right? And kind of just said, hey, this is my extended charge book for you from the retired fleet mass chief. So, um, but no, the conversations with them are great, right? Um, I huddled them again afterwards, introduced them to the USNI, a little quick history on the insurgents and bring them forward. But even they're dialed into this acquisition discussion, right? And I'm like, hey, I know acquisition, you're going, you know, what's that mean to you? But they know what it means, right? So they connected. And I liked Undersecretary Gertz talking to them several times. Over to them, you know, a recognition of the fleet end user um, is connected to acquisition, right? And how do we connect, you know, big picture strategic level acquisition to end user? That's an important piece. And that's why I made that point at the at the end to go, hey, this is an opportunity to, to, to bridge a gap, right? I got end users here, walk the floor, talk to the contractors, talk to the defense industry, get involved in that conversation. And you guys, when you see them in uniform, pull them over and start getting their opinion. I think that's a part of that learning, too, that we need to do. Yeah, so you say Secretary Gertz, he was the keynote speaker at lunch. Yep. His exact title, Bill, yeah, is... The Honorable James F. Gertz, uh, also known as Hondo, uh, Assistant Secretary, Secretary of the Navy for Research, Development, and Acquisition. And, uh, yeah, just building off of uh, Undersecretary Modley's comments yesterday, uh, Assistant Secretary Schaefer's comments this morning. I mean, these very senior people in the Pentagon... I, I have a very strong sense from listening to them that they, they are very much focused on the problem set and fielding capability as quickly as possible. 
getting it into the hands of the end users, as you said, and, and you know, Secretary Gertz mentioned that several times, as you said, he, he looked over to the sailors um, and said, you know, I want industry talking to sailors. I want sailors talking to industry. I want you guys communicating uh, because we've got to be thinking about how to quickly, you know, square the circle of capability into the end users. And then the feedback from them, is it what you need? And then spiral development, um, because our, our adversaries are, you know, developing capabilities and fielding capabilities very quickly. Yeah, so, so uh, that was an aha moment, right, for the sailors. Like, yeah. why am I here? Because I'm yep. walking as they're, I'm doing the logistics of handing them their lunch tickets and that sort of thing. Have you ever been here before? Do you know where you are? Yeah. Generally, it was sort of like deer in the headlights. But by the time after Hondo's call to action and Paul, you sort of giving them the orientation piece, now it comes alive for them, right? It's like, and you're a change agent, you know, as, as just a, an ESP attending West, you have the mandate to be a change agent. That's, that's very powerful stuff. It, it doesn't happen anywhere else yep. uh, except here. And then and you're going to take it to the next level next year, too. It's going to be even more than, yes. than what we're doing now. So I will, you know, I talk to, uh, you know, obviously I'll get with those uh, command mass chiefs and senior enlisted leaders, um, command sergeant majors, whoever it be. We'll talk through and go, you know, I'm more, beyond the ESP. We can kind of talk about what that looks like and if, if that's right or what we want to do with that. Um, I'm looking around. I got these other forms, right? I got these. What's the panel look like next year with some junior sailors and junior Marines? And yes. what are they talking about, right? Maybe it's, hey, I give you a day or two. You walk around. There's a contact plan. I was talking to one of the admirals yesterday, and then I put you up on a panel. And then these people come in. The industry comes in and starts asking you questions, right? And there's an interface there. Or, you know, do I need senior enlisted? When, you know, where do we put them? You know, what's that perspective and how do we align that? I mean, that's an empowerment piece that just Absolutely. unlocks, yep. you know, what you start, we start to walk the walk yep. about the outreach to the enlisted yep. it's uh, the, community. Uh, right? It's a version. So, you know, the witty thing is great. So what's the enlisted version of the witty conversation? Right. You know, and, uh, um, and I'll explore that with them. We'll figure it out. I just didn't have time this year. By the time I got here, things were set and we moved forward. So, um but overall, it's good. Once again, opportunity to, you know, once you introduce them to the Naval Institute, most of them haven't heard of it, right? And I just give them the quick history lesson, but, you know, an expl- explanation of kind of what it offers them and and then champion them to, hey, I want to hear what you got to say, right? Because all that, if we don't get acquisition right, you feel it on the deck plate, right? When we don't get manning and manpower right, it's on the deck plate. You know, when we don't get officer training right, we kill 17 sailors, right? This is the kind of stuff that they need to be involved in the conversation, but they just haven't realized the form that's available to them. So it's rewarding to me to, to expose them to that. And I think that's going to start bearing more fruit with them. And we're already seeing that with the increased publishing and proceedings. Definitely. So, so after lunch, we had another uh, breakout session. It was uh, how do we take unmanned and make it into something that we can? And the key word was employ, not deploy, but employ. Meaning make it into useful, not a box of tricks, but useful capability. Um, and so there was some straight stick requirements talk. And then there was uh, one panelist was from the Navy Post, Naval Postgraduate School who was sort of talking about conduct of war. It's almost like a, our good friend August Cole, how he would come at the problem. So what August is great at is the, the sort of thinking about how does this work in, in a practical sense? Because you can read the spec sheet and you can talk about capabilities and, you know, the stats, but you're like, okay, in the hands of a human being, what are the unintended consequences of that? And so this, what this professor uh, said was um, a machine doesn't kill because it has no emotion. 
And that really resonated with me. And I think as we talk about swarming and uh, the, the autonomous machine learning and AI and all of this other capability um, in, in next generation weapon systems as force multipliers and all kinds of sort of things, and you, re, you unburden the warfighter from, from those decisions, you don't consider what happens in the event that the algorithm goes haywire, it gets hacked, um, there's fratricide, there's um, blue on blue, all of the stuff that, uh, uh, you know, collateral damage. Well, the machine doesn't get blamed for that. You know, it starts to, you walk your way out until you, you hit a flesh. And at right. that point, somebody's going to go, why? And so if you're a fleet bubba, and you've gone through whatever the cursory training is that you go through at the schoolhouse on your way to deploying, you don't have the granular thing to know that what the coding is or get in there or whatever. So if it goes wrong, we're going to learn through a court-martial what the matrix looks like, right? So th this is like August Cole kind of stuff, like Kane Mutiny AI version, right? Um, and, and so I just thought it was a fascinating discussion because it was talking about just straight stick requirements and IOCs and what are, we, what are our concerns and so forth. And then it got into that flesh and blood part of it that was really, really intriguing, you know, and you realize we're not ready for this yet. And, and as we introduce a weapon system and a capability, um, a lot of times we don't comprehensively figure something out until we screw it up, right? I mean, that's right. the history of, of the, acquisition. The, the technology leads the ethics. The yes. technology leads the, you know, the sort of moral component mm -hmm. of the decision-making, right? And then you think, oh, wait, there's a, uh, it's, you know, I mean, it, it's like, the weaponization of Facebook, right? right. Yep. Yes. You know, Facebook. Yes. Let's let's seems so let, innocuous. Yeah, and, right. Let, and, let me let me yeah. let me let me invent something that allows you to you know share pictures with yeah. your Who friends and relatives. High school, right? You know, thirty, you know, later, 30 years right. later, keep up your high school. Right, and, and you know, yeah. eight, eight years later, what could go wrong. Ten, ten <laughs> years later, it's impacting uh, presidential politics. You yeah. know, by, by the Russians, etc. Right. Um, well, then, then we so we had your WTI. Yeah, panel, we had right? the the surface warfare WTI panel this afternoon. So yesterday we had a cross, you know, uh, WTI panel with aviators and um, uh, surface warfare, et cetera. Today it was just the different flavors of uh, surface WTIs, the integrated air and missile defense, the, the uh, surface warfare, ASW, uh, amphibious warfare, and mine warfare. Uh, it was kind of a, you know, checking back in with them because we did this panel a year ago. So a year later in this still nascent uh, program, what's new? What's, uh, you know, what's changed in a year? Uh, and boy, five incredibly competent, smart. So moto. I wow. Mean, it's just really yeah. cool. Uh, so, yeah. you know, anyone out there who thinks, um, you know, millennials are not sharp, smart, right. med you know, dedicated, or motivated. Or warfare taking a backseat to any, any other warfare yeah. special. No blo chance. Blown away by no these chance. five individuals. Yeah. Articulate, smart, very motivated, thinking about the threat, thinking about tactics and operations and capability and wanting to have an impact and, and, and feeling, you know, uh, for each of them, they asked the, I, they answered the question, you know, what do you like most about your job? And they all talked about having the, an impact on surface ship readiness and going out and interfacing with the, with the ship's crew and leadership and getting them from point A to point B on the readiness scale and helping them become better warriors. And, uh, yeah, it was, Fantastic! I want to cry. Yeah, it was great cool. stuff. It so, brings a tear to my eye. So that was fun, and now yeah. we're um, now we're drinking our sort of end of the day uh, 
beer. Yeah, again, you can hear the uh, the crowd behind the us. Crowd, yeah. Uh, they, and uh, so it, it, we're winding down. In fact, the announcement to that the ex- exhibit floor is closing will be in uh, about forty five minutes, and uh, after that, we'll head over to the ultimate skybox for the member. Uh, reception, which is a blast, uh, and so that's kind of the signature social event of the week. And then a preview into tomorrow. Uh, the highlight is obviously the uh, service chief panel. Um, so, right, is that first thing in the morning? Is no, that, that's always that's the lunchtime. That's the lunchtime yeah, okay. and uh, sort of wrap up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, last so, what else year, do we have going on tomorrow? Do you have the schedule there, uh, or is that just today? I do have tomorrow's okay. schedule. So, the keynote in the morning is uh, Admiral Chris W. Grady. Uh, Commander U.S. Fleet Forces. So that's you know anything about that? A little bit. <laughs> he, he was your boss for a little while. Paul? On the lagging edge. Okay. Yeah, most of the time was that with Admiral Davidson. He was retired yeah, on active duty by that point, though. I don't know. He's quite. like, I don't want to. I don't think to I was ever. I'm out, that one point. foot out the door. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a panel discussion. Um, I get to introduce the moderator, uh, Admiral Manazer. Nasty. Tomcat uh, that, guy, remember the yeah, Don of right. the Tomcat, and his name is on the side of the Tomcat there That's uh, on Hospital Point yeah, that we I drive just saw by him when we we day. did the ribbon cutting of the Tomcat in the on the academy grounds, and, and Nasty was there. It was fantastic. So that panel discussion is uh, how do we accelerate and embrace the rapid adoption of new technology? So Mr. William Bray, Deputy Assistant Secretary. Bill Bray? Our Bill Bray? Not ours. <laughs> different Bill Bray. I know because I saw his brothers. name place yeah. at lunch today. I'm like, Bill's out here? No, Bill's <laughs> keeping down the home front. Yeah, he's he back there at the rear guard. Deputy yes. Assistant Secretary of the Navy for Research, Hi, Development, Test, and Evaluation. Uh, Vice Admiral Jay Donnelly, retired corporate vice president of uh, advanced technologies at Huntington Ingalls Industries. Uh, Brigadier General Wortman, who was uh, on a panel yesterday, sticking around. Uh, he's the director of the Marine Corps Warfighting Lab and director of Futurist Directorate. And then uh, Vice Admiral Winter, director of the Joint Strike Fighter Program. So, you know, HI, the- speaking of HII, um, they have the coolest shirts. Have you seen those Under Armour shirts those guys are wearing? Not yet. Yeah, they're long sleeve, like sort of really sporty looking you know are you suggesting I judge my defense, person well I, do, I judge my defense contractors by their swag yes right and, uh, and that's they're bringing game right there that's yeah. very top shelf swag yeah I mean Let's they come and they look out. like special ops sort of a thing going on you know it's, it's impressive check, cool. it check it out check it out all right I'll check it out like it. yeah um so also, right, I swing by this afternoon and tomorrow they will, uh, Dare will finish up right the Dare group oh so yeah Captain yeah. Smith was grabbing we haven't talked about Dare yeah yeah I walked out I I I just saw it briefly today, but um, questions they're looking at. Um, but let's frame what Dare is. Have we talked about? Do we talk I don't about think Dare we yesterday? Talked about it we, yet, we, we yesterday. have not. Yeah. So it's uh, basically an integrated panel that uh, you know across the naval services, officer enlisted, you know, Marine Corps, Coast Guard. Are there any um, civilians? Because we had civilians. There are civilians there in there are, as yeah, well. From yep. industry, yep. right? So. Yeah, and they're tasked by. I think this year was by Commandant of the Coast Guard to answer a couple questions. Last year was the Commandant of the Marine Corps. Uh, and it focused heavily on, you know, reducing destructive behaviors. And I remember swinging it for that. So this year, the two questions, one had to deal with uh, retention, um, you, know, with a, you know, with the competition civilian sector. So they're answering, hey, what can we do to, to better help uh, retain force? Although yep. I would tell you. Particularly in the blended retirement yes. system age, right? Yep. So how's that impact? The comment out of the Coast Guard wanted to know, okay, what, what am I going to do to to uh, retain the best yep. in the BRS uh, environment. Yep. Yeah, I find wow. that interesting. I'm at fleet forces. I mean, retention is high. So yeah. I'm like, okay, okay. We hadn't seen the beha- behaviors we thought we would. Not that you won't, but uh, so we'll see what they come up with that. And then the other one was about, uh, you know, what's impacting CO risk decision-making, right? So in this hyper critical, um, 
atmosphere you're in, right? Where commanders have access to information and they're under pressure for immediate results. How does that translate into risk behavior taking? Well, that's General Allen's article, Hyperwar, from a couple of years ago. Right? Well, no, I think this the- is more on the, um, y- you know, CEOs living under the microscope, right? Yeah. Oh, and, is that what it? Okay. Yeah, sure and so do you become sure. do you become risk averse, ah, and yes. do you okay. become okay. too risk averse so that you're accepting risk in um, in war fighting areas because you're not willing to accept risk yeah. in the administrative areas, oh, right? Because right. you because you know in the admin areas you're going to get inspected, you're going to be found out, and if you aren't so good at war fighting. Or, yep. or key mission areas, you know, in, in peacetime, nobody nobody will ever find out, yep. possibly, right? So, so a couple things that teed and up. if that's the dynamic, why would you want to be a CEO, right? Yep. This is that, yep. that dynamic. Yep. This is what we've talked about before in terms of, of JO retention. Yep. They look at that. They see the CEO's priority of concerns. They're like, that's not kick-ass. Why would, why would I want to do that? Yeah, so right. words on the board, you go around the room, you see things like eval system, promotion system, right? These incentivizers of, of kind of behavior. Um, yeah, they got the giant so, sticky note thing going on. So yeah, it's your typical yeah, it was, you know, it was very, uh, off, you know, off-site conference yes. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it was good. It looked productive and I was like, okay, hey, and so they're actually the commandant brief, tomorrow. Right. They're actually out yep. briefing the commandant of the Coast Guard tomorrow. Yep. Right. So very powerful stuff. You know, that's what we're into. Yep. So All right. we'll host another session of, uh, obviously, the last group of uh, enlisted superior performers. Heavily Marine population oh, tomorrow. Tomorrow's our Marine But the Coast Guard Marine sector day? will be here. Okay. And then uh, USS Key West, too. Submarine that's uh, nice. That's in port. Great. So look forward to that. Yeah, fantastic. And All right. Okay, guys. Well, we got a party to go to. Uh, yes. So uh, let's, let's get to it. Um, thanks for listening. This is our day two report. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Remember, victory begins at the Naval Institute. Oh, uh, let, let me let oh, me add, I'll add one thing what? Be- because we're going to the member event uh, so membership is what drives the Naval Institute membership is what keeps us healthy um, and also for for those of you who aren't members become a member there are some great member benefits like this member event right so yeah $65 to become a member of the Naval Institute come to the member event in San Diego every every year at West you get free drinks free food get to meet amazing people and an, an, an- uh, nowhere else would you interface rub elbows with the people you're gonna you're gonna see over there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good. That's okay. Good. Thanks for the. So yeah. let's so go interface. Vic- victor- okay. Victory begins and membership drives it. So become a member, and we'll see you here tomorrow. Okay. <laughs>